Hello and welcome to What Moves Us Express. Or alternatively, What Doesn't Move Us. <laughs> a daily podcast throughout this uh, disrupted season. Brought to you from sunny Brighton and... At Nine Elms in London. So it's Tuesday. What are we in third week of um, confinement? And we've got with us today Liam. Yep. Hello. And Barry from Hitachi. So Barry, hi. Hi, good afternoon. H- how are you doing? Well, as well as can be expected, I guess, really. Uh, yes, it is a, it's a strange time. So, so whereabouts are you in the country? I'm in Milton Keynes. Yeah. Oh, that famous railway place. Yes, it is indeed. Yes, uh, be- becoming more so. Yeah. <laughs> becoming more so. Yes. So, so tell us about what you do at Hitachi, Barry. Okay, so I'm uh, head of business development, and I'm responsible primarily for UK rolling stock sales. And how is that at the moment? Uh, like I said, it is strange, uh, and uh, probably fair to say it's unprecedented times. Uh, we are primarily working from home as are our customer contacts and and our other stakeholders and we are trying to keep things moving uh keep the projects going that were were started before the 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 lockdown and try and start new uh, lines for improving sales in the future so what sort of yes what sort of things are you working on at the moment how how is that impacting on your business Okay, so if I look at Hitachi Rail as a, as a whole, I mean, um, our number one priority being the safety uh, of our people who are working at the moment. And so there's been a lot of effort put into how to continue maintenance operations to enable the, the operation of those, those services that are deemed essential uh, to, to, you know, to in the country at the moment. Uh, and obviously our secondary uh, objective is to try and help our customers uh, and partners to keep business going in the background, such that whenever a recovery does happen, we're we're, you know, we're all able to to kind of move quickly into taking taking advantage of that. So it's mainly about trying to progress um, business development and bid work and and customer support when all of us are sat in our kitchens, in our lounges, in our offices, uh, very remote from each other. Uh, and so that's that is a challenge to to all of us at the moment so so i've kind of got two questions following on from that because i I guess the first one is because you're remote from your team and a lot of the conversations we've had so far have been with um startups and smes who very quickly adapted to this new way of working because they work in this way a lot but i i detected in your voice a bit of loneliness there at the remoteness of it (laughs) <laughs> when you are let's say when you're self-isolated with your family uh it's, it's generally not loneliness but but you are remote uh from from your teams you're remote from those people who you would normally interact with either on a daily basis or or on, on a regular basis uh, and i think it is um for people that are used to working in an office or used to going and visiting their clients are used to actually attending events it is strange to be doing everything uh, down a phone line and through a computer screen. So, so what new what new um, methods are you using to make sure that you stay in touch with your team and your on your customers? Then, 
So I, I wouldn't say there's necessarily any any new methods, but uh, certainly the social media is is getting a hammering. You know, we have WhatsApp groups, we have yeah, we do Skype calls, we do Zoom calls, like like the one that we're on at the moment. Uh, and I think it it is about establishing a routine for those, such that people do get into a into an idea that these things are going to happen fairly regularly. Uh, and I mean, dare I say, it gives them something to look forward to um, as as a break from just doing the normal phone and Skype. Yeah. And, I, can I? Sorry. sorry. Um, it was related to you. Obviously, I think working in an open plan office usually. So, how are you being affected by the lack or sort of overhearing the buzz of what's going on around the company? Uh, yes, of course, you, you do not have that. That's, that's just completely absent now. So to try and find out what's happening on, you do then rely on having direct conversations with people or having group conversations and, and just trying to share ideas, uh, say, through, through WhatsApp, through Skype calls, through Zoom calls. Uh, you know, we, we've learned to put these things into our diaries to try and stay in touch, uh, both on a formal and an informal basis with, with our teams. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because I've heard that people are starting to even getting um, fed up with too many video conferencing calls now. <laughs> have, you, <laughs> have you have you reached video conferencing fatigue yet? Uh, I, it's that's a, that is it is interesting because I've heard the same as well. And uh, when your you know when, when your diary has changed to being one of continuous phone calls that are booked in, continuous Skype calls you know, with, with, with video, uh, continual invites to, to various webinars and scammers. I can see how people do get fatigued with that. Um, from my own point of view, this is the only way of keeping in touch with people and, and perhaps the only way of keeping business going at the moment. So it's a necessary means to an end. Uh, but I can certainly see how people yeah. are getting fed up of it. And uh, maybe ask me that question again, 12 weeks into, <laughs> into, into a lock-in. It, it, it might come back with a different answer. And I was going to ask in the, in the let's say, medium longer term is one of the questions you normally ask is about the company's challenges and their sales pipeline. But obviously mm. for a big fleet of trains, have you learned uh, anything about your fleets? Really? Well, I think that's a very interesting question that uh, because because course you we do talk about when things get back to normal and and what will be the new normal and of course at the moment nobody really knows what that's going to be how long it's going to take uh, but but to try and answer and answer your question on, on what the effect has been i mean the maintenance activities of course are largely driven by train availability and train mileage uh, and because of the, you know, the, the drastic reduction in train services, uh, that has obviously been affected. So, so whilst we have put a lot of effort into maintaining our maintenance operations and maintaining them in a way that, that, that is safe and complies with the government guidelines, that obviously does have an effect on, on the, the, let's say, the rate at which you can do the work and certainly in the methods in which you do it. So if you were trying to scale that back up again to what has traditionally been a full fleet operation, that is in itself going to be quite difficult. So, so if you're looking at sort of a lot of the, the effort that's going on at the moment, is about, it is about working practices. It's about how sites are laid out. It's, it's even about how open plan offices are laid out because if we are in for a longer term uh, spell of social distancing or if this does change you know the way that, that working practices those things are going to have to adapt 
And so, you know, I think there is um, quite a lot of change coming on that way, which, which, which people are having to work out at the same time as trying to keep the basic operation running. So that's certainly a challenge for our maintenance staff and, and for our yeah, Because that comes back to my, when I said I had two questions earlier, my other one was about, because you work in new sales, and I was wondering specifically how is that affecting your working practices? I mean, not just at the depots, mm. but also in your production area in Newton Aycliffe, because presumably you have to have social distancing for manufacturing. Mm. And that's really difficult, presumably. Well, it, it means a complete review of all your working practices. It means, you know, it does mean a, a review of, of layouts and, and, you know, and that's both working layouts and the kind of the more amenity block type layouts as well. Uh, and, and again, that, that activity is, is taking place in the background. Our factory at Newton Aycliffe is currently on standby. Uh, but as soon as we are able to, and as soon as it is safe to do so, and as soon as some of the government restrictions are lifted, we would want to be restarting production there. But we will have to do it in a way that is that, yeah. that is safe, and so, uh, that that again is going is going to be a challenge for everybody. So, so essentially, you're only concentrating on maintenance of train fleets that are in operation at the moment, and you're not doing any manufacturing at all. So the, the so the manufacturing organisation is on standby, but it is ready to be brought back back into operation as soon as possible. I mean, if we look around the world, of course, the the, the I mean, this is this is part of the unprecedented nature of what we're dealing with. Is it does deal? You know, it is it is global. You know, it affects everybody, and um, we we we've got our staff in the wider Hitachi group in China are now going back to work. And I, and I saw a figure the other day where 95% of them are now back at work in China. And so production has ramped up. But the, but the lesson that's been learned there is that the methods and, and if you want some of the, some of the, uh, the locations and the amenities are now very, you know, they're different to how they were. And yeah. we would expect that to come across, you know, come across over here. Um, I think, in the interests of not only keeping new train deliveries going, but keeping our business going, we have to find a way to be able to restart production and to restart the acceptance of trains and to, and, and to restart that, that kind of fleet replacement that's already in progress. And I guess that is a big challenge because we've all seen in the press the last couple of days that everybody's worried about what's the exit strategy from mm -hmm. isolation because we've effectively got to mobilize the whole country again and we don't know when that date is yet so presumably it becomes more problematic the longer it goes on so yeah ab absolutely i mean we, we don't know when you know we we don't know how uh i think i think the you know the optimists will say it you know it will happen you know and, and we will be relaxing some of the restrictions and we will be returning to work and and we will be regaining some of those activities that we've lost o o o over the last few weeks uh, but nobody knows for sure how it's going to be done uh, you know and for example if we have people who are working in, in a location like a factory or like an office yeah is is there going to be any testing regime put in place to kind of differentiate between those people who 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 have or who have not uh, had this particular this particular virus uh, and and that again would be would be quite a big change to the to the way that we work wouldn't it 
Yeah. So I think that whole concept of like an immunity certificate is really interesting in terms of allowing people to get back to work because given that we've pretty much probably tanked our economy over this or the worldwide economy is tanked yeah um, how how is that going to are we going are we creating a two-class system of people that have had the virus and those that have haven't had it so can go back to work until we've got an effective tech testing or or vaccine against it uh, very, very good question, Joanna. I wouldn't attempt to try and answer it because because we don't know, do we? You know, we, we, we don't know. But, but of course, if you are an employer, uh, then these questions will be something that you'll have to face in the future. And, and whose who's responsibility your, is it? How do you is it keep the employer or is it the government? Yeah, that's it. Because is, is it your responsibility as an employer or is it the government's responsibility to provide the facilities? Again, I think I wouldn't try to double guess some of the, the policy there, but but one thing's for sure, you know, is in terms of workplace safety, in terms of the safety and well-being of your staff, it's quite clearly the employer who has the primary responsibility, mm. and, and and you know, and I can't see that changing. Right. Just, I've got just one final question. I don't know whether Liam's got more questions, but I've just got one more because I think but obviously uncertainty is a big problem and we just have to accept the fact that it's uncertainty but presumably Hitachi is in a really good place because it can learn from China. As a global company you can learn from 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 everywhere yeah I mean I, I know the people I deal with regularly uh, you know they are there are people in Japan uh, people in Italy you know uh, people in the UK uh, and you know the, these are all hotspots uh, you know, global hotspots in, in this. And so, yes, we, we are learning all, all the time. Uh, but we're, I think we're also learning that different countries are approaching this in different ways. Uh, and so, you know, what is, what is, let's say, what would be acceptable in, in China and Japan and Italy and the UK are, are not going to be the, you know, not the same thing. And so, yeah. so as global companies, you have to learn to, to adapt to different things in, in different places. Uh, and, and I think if we look at what will happen, you know, or what, what may happen in the future, is that as we look to resume sort of more of our sort of normal business activities, there will be differences differences between regions differences between companies uh differences between countries that that we are just going to have to adopt and, and and get used to um and and that in itself you know is going to is going to create uh, a challenge for companies that are trying to work on an international basis so, so do you think that is good or bad do you think the future is good or bad Oh, the future is always good. <laughs> no, the future is always good. Yeah. And that, but, that's the last question of what's the positive you can see coming. <laughs> so, I, I, again, if I, if I look at, at sort of my particular area, I mean, in, in UK Rail, is, is, is you know, the, the, the ridership is, is now very low. Services, very low. So, so the, 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 I guess if you want, the... the the opportunity is in as services build because demand is returning, uh, then, you know, I think you can bet it, it, it will be, you know, there will be differences to, to what were previously assumed. And so I think we have to look at how that demand is returning, whether any of the changes that we're all experiencing at the moment have some permanence, you know, is, is, is that 
are working practices our travel patterns going to change permanently as 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 a result of mm. this um yeah i think you can be sure they will change but how they change permanently and then how does that then in fact affect investment plans because mm. yeah we 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 were looking at a long-term plan for for uk rail industry that was largely dependent on government policy largely dependent on passenger franchising driven by increasing demand driven by an increasing number of services and, and increased capacity uh, and increased investment and that will change and i think we just have to be be alert to to, to how quickly those changes are happening and, and, and where they're happening um, fundamentally you know i, th I think we do we have seen in other in other sort of similar crises in the past is that what happens is it accelerates the changes that were already there so so in terms of the optimism one of our things that i would hope it accelerates is the whole kind of environmental and decarbonization uh, direction that transport needs to head in if we are to head off uh, you know an environmental crisis you know, I hope that those activities accelerate. Also, if you look at the fact that um, those customer services that are enabled by the internet, people, internet connected devices, you know, it's certainly been a trend, but you know, a crisis like this may well accelerate that. And so I think if we look at the positives that come out of it is, you know, there'll be an appetite for investment, there'll be an appetite for renewal. Uh, and, you know, they that, that will, I think we'll, we'll, if you want, create opportunity for for us and similar companies. Brilliant. Because I guess one of the things just on on that conclusion is that some of, some of this stuff will be about making us more resilient, not just about what the opportunities are. So that we, because if this is something that continues long term, some of it will have to become more normal and we'll have to have more resilience in the system than we currently have in order to continue to make sure that people have meaningful jobs and income and that i, I think it is it's part of, yes yes that that's the question of how the economy changes where people get their income from how they get their income how they spend it yes i mean they're, they're kind of fundamental big macro questions aren't they what the impact will be on say rail vehicles and on rail services there will be an impact and i, and I think we just yeah. have to be mindful of the fact that you know things will be different uh, and and that we have to we have to be flexible uh, and we have to be you know, willing to meet that change demand yeah. and be and be more agile <laughs> it's a great word isn't it yes yes you you, you do I, th I think you need to be adaptable yeah yeah. I mean, I was talking to one of my colleagues uh, uh, earlier and, and we were saying, actually, at the moment, because there is so much uncertainty, uh, what we can offer to do at the moment is be part of the debate. You yeah. know, what, what, what will the exit look like? What will uh, our future opportunities look like? And, and how, you know, how, will that, how will those come about? Uh, and I think having been part of that debate, then, then actually, you know, you've then got to be willing afterwards then to make the changes necessary to, to just get on and do what needs doing. Uh, and that, that applies to us, it applies to other companies in the sector, and I guess it applies to the wider economy. Now that is a great message to leave with in terms of just get on and do it. <laughs> thank, thank you for joining us today, Barry. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Joanna. Uh, and Liam, I, I hope you get well soon. Thank you very much. <laughs>
Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.